The Home Depot has very good news for your lawn. It's called Scott's Thicker Lawn. Right now from only $19.98 a bag. Thicker Lawn is a three-in-one mixture of seed, fertilizer, and soil improver. Perfectly formulated for thicker lawns and happier lawn owners. So spread the word for up to a 50% thicker lawn after just one application. Today is the day for doing with Scott's Thicker Lawn from only $19.98 a bag. Now at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Selection varies by store. Welcome to Time to Adapt, where we break down movies and the books behind them. As always, I am here tonight with my lovely host, Selena. Hi. How are you, Selena? I am going. I'm doing <laughs> fine. Took you a second, didn't it? I mean, I'm in the same boat. Basically, but. hokey pokey and begging the Lord for death, but also not. But at the same time, yes. Also, I need more sleep, but I don't think I'll get that for a while. But everything's fine. I'm getting more sleep now. It's really fantastic. Dude, what is that life? Well, I'm really... Yeah, okay. For one, you need a a sleep mask, but, you know. It's fantastic. like hardcore sleeping. It's fantastic. I I feel great now. I feel like we're getting off, like, topic. Well, still. Let's let's start the show. (laughs) It's been been almost a month. It's been over a month since our last one, so... Yeah, we've... Yeah, we're getting back on like a proper schedule. Um, we're trying. Sorry, to. we suck, everyone. We we don't suck. We're trying. We're trying. Yes, we're trying. Anyways, right. today, getting back on topic, <laughs> uh, we will be talking about Shakespeare because one, it is the month of Shakespeare. April is when the, the showers great... bring May flowers. That was so stupid. <laughs> Anyways, ignoring Mac. <laughs> April is when the playwright was born, and also the month that he died in, so he, it's all full circle. But <laughs> Mac and I are huge Shakespeare nerds, we are so obsessed. we've been like getting super geared and psyched for this. Oh, yes. Because Shakespeare is our shit. Shakespeare is our shit. Yes. So William's my homeboy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> all right, so... For this episode, we're going to be discussing his play and the adaptations of probably one of his best-known comedies, Much Ado About Nothing. So, yes. So let's get into, like, we probably all know who William Shakespeare is because <laughs> of just, like... Sorry. Uh, like He's widely Abulet regarded And as... all that stuff, and everybody yeah. knows who Shakespeare is. But just a quick little overview, he was, like... Not really sure the exact date of when he was born, but it was like the they have the twenty sixth of April, fifteen sixty four was when he was baptized. So that's like for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and he died the twenty third of April, sixteen sixteen. Um, obviously he's an English poet, playwright, and actor, like highly like regarded as the greatest writer in the English language and the world's like just greatest playwright. That's just kind of how he's seen. Absolutely. Um, his works include yeah, collaborations. <laughs> his works and collaborations consist of approximately 39 plays, 154 sonnets, two long narrative poems, and a few other verses. Some of them, the authorship is uncertain, as well as the authorship of most of Shakespeare play, Shakespeare's plays have been constantly thought of as maybe he didn't write them, maybe he did write them. He did write them. There's some conspiracy theories about Shakespeare. Yes. 
But one and thing. And fuck you, Roland Emmerich, for giving that us, for Ooh. making that happen. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm calling out anonymous. <laughs> it's not a good movie. I'm sorry. Okay. So. <laughs> oh, that was that was yeah, a shitty movie. It was. It was really bad. Good actors, bad movie. Yeah. Anywho. Anywho. Um, yeah, so his plays have been translated into every major, like, language and have per- been performed more often <laughs> than those of any other playwright. Um, also, another thing that about his plays that we'll get into a little bit more is just, like, kind of some of the ideas and origins of where some of them come from, just to give a little hint into that. Um, but, yeah, so Shakespeare is born and brought up in Stratford-upon-Avon, which I think is a fun name to say, Stratford-upon-Avon. Straight burst. Um, wow, he yeah, married Anne Hathaway, nice. not the current one that's alive. <laughs> I can see that. Anne Hathaway walks down walks down the red carpet with the like, dead the dust bones. with the dust. This some is my husband. Bones. Some bones. They're like really fragile bones. I just like I love that. I don't know. In my mind, as a kid, when I like learned that her name was Anne Hathaway, I was like the Anne. And then I had to take a second and be like, no, that's stupid. Why hasn't... Okay, here's a real question, though. Why hasn't Hollywood or any production company ever made a movie about Shakespeare's wife starring Anne Hathaway? That's gold right there. Hollywood, get on that shit. Anne Hathaway. Okay, anyways. uh, So, yeah, between 1585 and 1592, he became, like, that's when his... Career was most successful in London as an actor, writer, and part owner of a play uh, play company called the Lord Chamberlain's Men, later known as the King's Men. King's Men. Yeah. Yes, and around um, around forty nine, that's about oh, sixteen thirteen. He um, it looks it, it seems to be that he retired to Stratford, and he died three years later. Uh, most of he produced most of his works between fifteen eighty nine and sixteen thirteen. These early plays were primarily comedies and histories, which are regarded as some of the best work ever produced in those genres. He also wrote a lot of tragedies until about 1608 that include the classics, Hamlet, Othello, King Lear, Macbeth, or sorry, the Scottish play. And they're considered... We're not in a theater. We can say Macbeth. That's true. Yeah. Oh, well. Macbeth. I have an internship <laughs> in a theater, okay? I'm used to this stuff. Nerd. Consider... <laughs> So, they're considered some of the finest works in the English language. And in the 20th and 21st centuries, the works have repeatedly been adapted and rediscovered by new movements in scholarship and performance, especially with the birth of the camera. Yes. Um, Yeah, before we really, like, dive into the rest of it, um, I want to mention that why there's a lot of, like... One of the reasons why there's a lot of controversy around where his plays came from is because what he literally did was he took a lot of the themes of plays around like that were being produced around the t- that time and just kind of took pieces that he liked and smashed them all together. So a lot of his comedies are like a mixtures of other smaller little comedies that were p- being played around uh, Europe at the time. So he was just like, I like that, I like that, I'm going to put this in a mixing bowl, mix it all up, and bam, yeah, definitely. there's much ado about nothing, bam, there's and, like, love's labor's lost. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there's also I, there's also a lot of theories, a lot of them have been proven true, that um, 
a lot of those famous histories that he wrote were based off of already done plays. But this mm-hmm. was back before plagiarism. This was back before any of that, any of the stuff, any, any copyright stuff, so he could get away with it. And because and he did, he was very successful at it. And I think in partial, in part because of how his works have survived, and oh, they, and like all the other works have either been destroyed or or lost to the test of time. So also like because he was so successful and the patronage that he got during his career that also helped kind of cement his works. Also, um, later on, um, when we kind of talk about the history a bit about the play Much Ado About Nothing, um, you find like about, I think it was um, in 1623, um, they published a folio, which is just like a collection of his yes. um plays like the written print they printed his plays um so that's also another thing that helped have it like make it survive was they made multiple copies of this first folio and then throughout the years they just made new editions and that's just one of the reasons why we have like all the plays that we have at our disposal yeah so tell me selena what was your first shakespeare experience Ooh, um when I was a wee babe, I I don't know. Um, let's see. I'm trying to I'm trying to think back. I think it was when I was like in um probably elementary school. Uh, I went to a Waldorf school, and what we do is the younger grades would go watch um the older grades like performances um so we watched i think it was like eighth graders who did like i can't remember which play it must i think it must have been like i think it was midsummer or something like that Mm -hmm. so i think that was my first introduction to it and then as i grew up a bit more like when i got to middle school i remember in one of my like my english class we um had to act out part of uh, Hamlet. And I just loved how everyone died at the end. <laughs> like, I know that sounds serial killery, but <laughs> I know that's not a word. But um, I don't know. I just, I, I thought, like, Hamlet was the shit. I was all about Hamlet. Yes. And then I just got more interested in it, and then I just continued watching a lot of plays mm. and then trying to find all the adaptations. Yeah. And then... All right. Yeah. That's that's, that's my experience. What about you? <laughs> well, I I have to thank my old man. Uh my dad's a my dad he's still he's an actor. And he's also a character. <laughs> and um he when he was young when I was younger, he worked a lot in the community theater in um in Fond du Lac. And among the things that they used to do back in the late 90s, early 2000s, was Shakespeare in the Streets. And it was when um, they would just have kind of a mini Renaissance fair kind of a setup in in Fond du Lac. I don't remember much of it, but I remember juggling and a a guy on a unicycle doing juggling and um, a whole bunch of stuff. But the big thing was uh, my dad was in a production of The The Merry Wives of Windsor. 
and it's a short play. It's like only like what, like thirty, forty minutes, something like I that. Can't, I haven't watched that one yet. Um, like I haven't seen a performance of it. I haven't uh, really read that one. I know what it. I know a quick synopsis of it, but yeah, I know that's one of his shorter comedies. Yeah, and um, I remember not understanding a damn thing they said. Oh, same. Like, but everyone was it. laughing at it though. And that's kind of what spoke to me was that I didn't know what they were saying. But but you knew it was funny. I knew it was funny. (laughs) And after that, like a couple years later, my dad was in another production, in a production of Midsummer Night's Dream that was put on by University of Wisconsin Fond du Lac. And it was was fantastic. (laughs) Uh, Midsummer Night's Dream is my favorite uh, of Shakespeare's plays. Same. Yes, we just had a nerd high five. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty epic, but none of you will be able to ever see it. So, <laughs> just imagine like high five, <laughs> explosions, love of Shakespeare. Yes. So, um, I distinctly remember like cackling when, um, oh God, what is his name? Why can't I think of anyone? Nick name Bottom. Right? When Bottom turns into an ass. <laughs> a donkey. And he's just there. <laughs> yeah. And it's... Because there's a scene, like, for those who don't haven't seen the play, like, while he's transforming, he's laughing, but then he starts making donkey laughing noises. Yes. And... They've, it, they've, it sounds not as funny saying it, but it is... It's a it's a nice... It's, it's a nice comedic It's something moment. else. It's something else. <laughs> and so, since... Because of that... um, I expressed interest to my dad, and my dad lent me his copy of the works of William Shakespeare. And through that, I kind of, I kind of, I skimmed through the pages, and through there, it got to Hamlet, and from Hamlet, it just kind of grew to Macbeth and everything, everything else. And it's, it's pretty wonderful. And to this day, like some of my favorite like films are Shakespearean adaptations, because you know the power of words. I always loved how. Those simple words could have so much. Simple words could have so much power, even if they're almost five hundred years old. To me, that that's that's pretty badass. To me, yeah. I just remembered. Okay, so yes, I I do remember. How like actually physically seeing the play when I was like in elementary school, but I like thinking back on it. What just occurred to me, like for those. Since this is audio, you can't see, but I just remembered and I just threw my hands up like really quietly and made it an excited face. There was a small choir, everyone. Yeah. Because so, <laughs> my brain was like, yo, I'm giving you a gift. Anyways, <laughs> I remembered my first experience with Shakespeare was through Jack and Annie, the tree, the Magic Treehouse books. Oh, shit. Yeah, I know, right? Fuck yeah, Magic Treehouse. Oh, that was a shitty high Oh, come on. One more. Okay. Oh, my oh, God. Geez. That was embarrassing. There we go. Yeah. So you missed another my... explosive, explosive high five, everyone. It wasn't that explosive. It, well, it wasn't. Um, so that I was tried. my first experience, because I can't remember. I think it was, like, in the first part of the collection before they got shitty. I won't go into... I will not get mad about Jack and Annie. <laughs> I'm an adult. <laughs> but <laughs> um, there's Continue. a bit where they go to um, Elizabethan England... And they stumble upon um, the the per- yeah uh, performance of Midsummer, 
and Jack is like forced to play puck and he has to get over his his stage fright and he oh I, he he does he does the speech now I'm just remembering it's great anyway we have offended thee yeah anyways that's that was that would, I feel that... like that's my truly first experience because I would listen to them on an audiobook but then I also had the books because I was like hardcore Jack and Annie nerd I love that shit fantastic anyways before you like get sidetracked by reminiscing about jack and annie and magic treehouse yes. and magic treehouse let's get into mid uh not midsummer sorry i'm still much on ado <laughs> much ado about nothing that is the comedy that we're talking about today <coughs> so just a quick synopsis about much ado it is one of his most popular ones the i feel like the most popular um comedy that everyone knows is midsummer oh yeah but Much Ado is one of my favorites. Um, obviously, Midsummer number one, but Much Ado is really fun, and I really enjoy that one. So we thought it'd be interesting to kind of switch it up and talk about some of the plays that aren't his, like, number one... The ones that are super discussed. Anyways, so... <laughs> Titus. <laughs> Much Ado... Um, the main characters, just like a quick synopsis of it, you have Benedict and Beatrice... And their friends and family trick them into confessing their love for each other because Benedict and Beatrice basically start off the play by just roasting each other. Oh, yeah. They're constantly roasting each other because they're basically, every time they're together, they're like, I hate you. When in fact, they're like, oh my God, senpai, look at me. (laughs) And... So their family and friends are like, me, we're, <laughs> we're bored. Me. They're literally bored. So they're like, we're going to make these two people that pretend to hate each other, like, but actually like each other, fall in love. So they do that. There's this another character called Claudio. Fuck Claudio. I hate him. And we will get into how much I fucking hate Claudio. Yes. But. Man. Oh my God. He is a warrior. Well, he's a soldier. He's. A dingus. But I'm already, I'm already, like, seeping anger about Claudio. But he... Claudio is a dingus, Selena Allen. I'm 2018. Trying to, I'm trying to be polite about it. I just don't like him. But he is one of Don... Don, John... Yeah. I'm, I'm fucking... Yeah. One of that dude's... The prince. The prince's men. Yes. And, um... He falls in love with Hero, who is the cousin of Beatrice. Hero. Don Pedro, is that what you mean? Don Pedro. I was getting there. It was going to take a bit. He's Don Pedro, he's not that important in the whole thing. He's literally, he really isn't. He really isn't. But we'll get into that. But so Claudio falls in love with Hero, and Hero likes Claudio, I guess. I don't know why, because he's stupid. But Claudio is tricked by uh help me don the 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 prince's brother who's evil he isn't don john don john that's okay keanu reeves keanu reeves which (laughs) we'll get into because keanu reeves plays him that's the only way i can remember (laughs) oh yeah keanu reeves i know i remember them by like this the the actor um neo yeah (laughs) so I know I'm making this confusing, but basically, Don John 
hates the prince and is like, I'm going to fuck shit up. So he tricks Claudio into thinking that Hero was unfaithful to him. So Claudio is a dick and just insults her and just like humiliates her in front of her whole family at their wedding and just rejects her at the altar because he's a messy bitch. Yeah. And at the end, everything's patched up because that's just how the Shakespeare comedies are. There's a, there's delightful banter at the beginning. There's some messy shit. Then they patch things up and then everyone joins forces to set things right. And then they dance and celebrate and the two couples marry at the end. Yeah. It's all happy. Yep. So yeah, that's the really short, terrible bad version that i just synapses i'm sorry i tried no it was good that was good <laughs> so let's definitely go- <laughs> yeah so let's go into some of the history the background of yes. the play so it was thought to be a written thought to be written between 1518 1598 and 1599 um he was in the mid- middle he was in the middle of his mid he was in the middle of his career and um, it was the play, of course, that we said before, it was included in the first folio, published in 1623. Um, the earliest printed text states that it was a sun, sundry times publicly acted prior to 1600, and it is likely that the play made its debut in the autumn or winter of 1598-99. So basically that before it was printed, it had been already been performed. Yeah. The, the sundry times publicly acted. And the earliest recorded performances are two that were given at the court in the winter of 1612 and 1613 during the festivities preceding the marriage of Princess Elizabeth with Frederick Frederick V. Elector Palatine. Yeah, some dude that doesn't. For a matter. second, I read. For a second, I read that as Palpatine. <laughs> that that shows you where my head is. Princess Elizabeth married <laughs> Palpatine. Yeah, I would love that crossover. Let's have a Renaissance. Princess Elizabeth marries Star Ian McDermott. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've actually seen. No, this is going on. <laughs> We're staying but... on some on topic. <laughs> I've seen some really cool like Renaissance Star Wars cosplays. That's all. Anyways, those are I know those ones. Yeah. So yeah, that's just a quick background. But so Mac, how is how did you get introduced to this? This play specifically, do you remember, or was yeah, it through um, the actual play, or was it through the adaptations? It was through the through the um, 1993 Kenneth Branagh film. So around, so when I was doing um, a, a play, I was doing a musical over a summer once, and one of my friends there, she said that her favorite film of all time was Much Ado About Nothing, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll watch that, and. I did, and I was delighted because it was just so kind of – it was so, like, beautifully shot, and I loved the costumes, and there's a part of me that kind of wants to uh, – when I – if – if when, if, if I get married, <laughs> um, I want to be dressed in those – that attire that they wear at the very beginning – Oh my god! I mean, <laughs> come on. We all look. You and I, like, so in preparation for this episode, Selena and I watched Much Ado About Nothing last week, and we both just had this moment when Denzel Washington leaped off of his horse, and he's in the tight pants and the they're tight leather those are pants. Very tight leather pants. And let me say, we looked at each Denzel. other like. Mm. 
damn Denzel. Yeah. Damzel, am I right? <laughs> and you ruined it. I did. <laughs> I ruined everything. Yeah, I don't really remember my first... Oh, actually, like, there was a period of time when I was watching a lot of movies on YouTube before I could... Before I realized I could pirate shit. Um, don't hunt me down, FBI. Everybody does it. Um... But yeah, so that's how I watched it. And I, cause I was going through a shakes, I was going through one of my many Shakespeare phases and I was like, I've got to watch every fucking Shakespeare adaptation that ever was. Good so, luck. Yeah. I, I didn't do that. I watched a <laughs> lot, but I didn't watch everyone. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got introduced to it. But, but, it, but it was the, the screen version. Um, talking about film, uh, let's kind of talk about the background of it. So the first cinematic version well talking about just the history of how it became an adaptation how the plays became at adap- became an adaptation um so the first cinematic version in english was probably around 1913 a silent film directed by philip Sma- smalley smalley um the first sound version actually um this fa- sound version in english to be released in cinemas was actually the 1993 version, um, which we're going to talk about, which um, was by Kenneth uh, Branagh. Um, then there were other few like made-for-TV adaptations. None of the like, BBC did a bunch. Yeah, the BBC did a bunch. Um, a lot of one that is of note is Shakespeare Retold, which we'll talk about a bit. Um, and then in 2011, Joss Whedon did a f- adaptation, um, which yeah, which was released in June uh, 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it actually, out of all the the books or source material that we've kind of gone over about adaptations, this is one where it hasn't really been ad- um, adapted a lot in like a film form compared to say Frankenstein or um, some of the other Macbeth or Macbeth even even. Um, much ado really hasn't had a lot of adaptations. Um, It's mainly been plays. Um, It's mainly just been plays or um, someone filming the actual play and not necessarily a whole adaptation, Mm -hmm. but getting into, um, much Ado About Nothing, the 1993 version. It was adapted for screen and directed by Kenneth Braga, who stars in the film. Uh, also stars his then-wife, uh, Emma Thompson, who is phenomenal. Oh, my God. Um, Robert uh, Sean. Robert Sean Leonard. I was always going to say scene, because for a while, embarrassing fact, everybody. Uh, for too long, I called Sean Bean scene bean. <laughs> <laughs> So every time I see Sean spelled that way, I really want to just say scene, but I know that's not what it says. Yes. Denzel Washington, who is seen being as Boromir. (laughs) Denzel Washington wearing leather pants and looking fine as hell. Then Michael Keaton's in it. And then Keanu Reeves and Kate Beckinsale in her first like film debut. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so it was released on May 7th, 1993, reaching 200 U.S. screens for its widest release. 
Uh, it earned $22 million at the U.S. box office and 30, $36 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, so, fail- so it didn't reach the mark of, like, Franco, you're going to have to help me with this last name, Mac, because, you know, I butcher names. Zeffirelli. Thank you. Uh, Romeo and Juliet, which is, like, one of the most famous Romeo and Juliet adaptations. And one of the most financially successful versions ever released. Um, Yeah, it made it. Yeah, so it didn't reach that mark, but it was it was successful. Yes. Um, Interesting enough, like the play itself is set in Italy. It's set in Messina. Um, It's cool that they actually filmed it in Italy. They didn't film it there, but they filmed it in um, Florence, Tuscany, some other cool places. Yeah. I, like I have to admit, like when we when watching it, it just make it just looks so beautiful to the point like oh, yeah. I need to get to Italy. Oh, oh my god, it it looks so pretty and it's just so warm and everyone's just like wearing just like light linen clothing and they're just prancing around. They're practically on... half naked most of the time. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. So. It got really great acclaim from critics. Um, one of one review of note, Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars, calling it cheerful from beginning to end. Which is true. It is very cheerful. Mm-hmm. So this was Brana's second Shakespeare adaptation like that he had written and directed. His first being Henry V, and that was one of the be- one of the like most acclaimed versions of Shakespeare ever put to film. And despite doing moderately well at the box office. It was enough that they gave that he asked when he asked to do much to do about nothing, they didn't give him nearly as much of a budget as they did Henry V. But he made it work. And it was the yeah. f- and um of course his next big one would be Hamlet, which one day we're gonna talk about that and it's gonna be glorious because yeah. oh my God, do I have things to say about that spectacle. But. And it's part of the his. It's part of what I call his his big the big three. Um, he did, he has the thing is like he's known for doing Shakespeare adaptations, but then he's made some pretty shitty ones too. Yeah, loves Labor's Lost. <laughs> loves Labor's Lost. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I give I give as you like it a pass because it's it's pretty. It is pretty, and I like the cast, but. I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah. He was, he, I could see what he was trying to do. It was just weird. Anyways, mm-hmm. the one so. thing I do like about Much Ado About Nothing is it is very truthful to the play itself. It's just very, I feel like with a lot of Shakespeare plays, it's hard to fuck up. Like if you get the core of the story and whether you change it or not, like his stories are very, not simple, but like his comedies are very formulaic, and the characters are have very specific roles. So you can't. I don't feel like it, it's really hard to fuck up, <laughs> but it's I, such a yeah. delightful adaptation of Much Ado because the whole play in itself is just delightful. Like the banter between Benedict and Beatrice. Is so like sharp and on oh, yeah. point. Oh my gosh. And just like Emma Thompson, Kenneth Fragg just like going back and forth. I'm like, yes, yes, mm. awesome. And yes, the film can be a little silly and nonsensical, 
but that's just Shakespeare. That's Shakespeare, yeah. It's like... If you look at most of his comedies and his tragedies, absurd things happen, and they just go with it. Like uh, Michael Keaton's role as... Um, Dogberry. As Dogberry. My his goodness, whole, what a great... That whole section is just straight-up nonsense, because he's supposed to be this, like, constable, but he's totally incompetent. I think that's the joke. And that is the joke. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, his character comes in when actually, like when it's kind of getting heavy with, like, where you're like, oh, shit, like, people's lives kind of being ruined. Oh, and we're going to get into why I hate Claudio. But Yes. Uh, talking about where the delightful shit. One thing that Don't I break. really liked about Much Ado About Nothing is that they had Denzel in it. Like, yes. come on. Like, Denzel needs to be a more Shakespeare, I feel like. Just, like, not even just, like, immediately plop him into Othello just because he's black. Just, like, he's just so delightful as the prince, and I'm just, like, hot damn. Yeah. So, I don't know. It might be just, like, because I just love Denzel, but I'm just, like, can I go just be more Shakespeare and wear more, like, do more Renaissance stuff? Definitely. I can I can see that. And it... He did a good job. Like, oh, yeah. For... Because... That was his first, like, on-screen Shakespeare thing. Yeah. Uh, and the whole film of... I don't know. The casting is really good. Keanu Reeves is a little weird, but it kind of works. Yeah, sort of. Kind of? <laughs> so, like, at this point, Keanu was still kind of... He, he was really trying to um, stretch his his career out and kind of prove that he wasn't just Bill and Ted. Even though that's still... Pretty much. <laughs> so, like before that, he did. Uh, he was with. Uh, he was in Bram Stoker's Dracula, which we talked about before, and we all mentioned how that, that's that's easily one of the worst parts about Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> yeah, is Keanu it's not Reeves. great. <laughs> um, but with this one, it kind of works because his character is so easy to despise. Yeah, because just he adds walks to... in and just how they styled him, and just because his face is the way it is, like. And just when he decides to frown and look evil, he can do it. Yeah. And he's not, like, Donald Trump, he's not supposed to be an evil character. He's just supposed to be, like, this dude who just doesn't like anybody. So he's going to make their day miserable. Definitely, Like, that's the dude. And he basically, his character is being dragged along with the prince after this war because, like, he did some fuck shit. I don't know. And... Like, Denzel's character is just like, you're in trouble, so you're just going to watch your behavior now, basically. Pretty much. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to fuck this happy mood up and rain on everybody's parade. I'm going to be a troll. I'm going to be an attention-seeking troll. And this is when Claudio comes in. And I hate him. Claudio, let's put it this way. Even in the play, he's a dick. Yeah, like Claudio he's not overreacts supposed- like none other. Okay, so first off, he sees Hero. He's like, oh my gosh, I love this girl so much. I haven't even spoken to her, and I know she's going to be my wife forever. And I then- just met you, and this is crazy. Basically. And so he's like, yo, 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 Denzel, talk this girl up for me, and like put in a good word. So Denzel does that. Claudio gets jealous for some fucking reason, even though he he told him to do it. He told him. It still makes me... It makes me mad. 
he's, he's such a whiny bitch. And then he gets all sulky and he's like, oh, well, I guess she loves you instead. And the and Denzel's like, dude, dude, I told you, like, I'm, she's cool. Like, she wants to marry you. And he's like, oh, really? Okay. And then... <laughs> And so then he's like, oh, I love Hero again. She's awesome. And Hero, like, really her character is nothing. The, her, like, in this play, she's really just there. Yeah, as, pretty like, much. As just, like, Beatrice is, like, more well-rounded as a female character where you can be like, I can get behind you. Hero is literally just, like, I'm unfortunately just, like, an empty husk of of a character and is literally just, she's supposed to be the picture of purity. Yeah. She's, she's the picture of purity. Mm, Yeah. And, um, so they schedule like, yay, we're going to have a wedding. And then there's the distraction of getting Beatrice and Benedict to fall in love with each other. So each group, so hero and their like nursemaid who I don't remember the name of because she's not important. Um, they Margaret. Are ta- yeah, Margaret. See, not important. <laughs> and <laughs> like literally like her character is just to kind of help gossip. And so they make sure that Beatrice is in the room and then they talk really like loudly about how like, oh Benedict is falling over his heels in love with her. And then Beatrice is like, Holy shit, damn. And then they do the same, and then there's that whole thing. Yeah. But then we're gonna get back to Claudio because I'm gonna, I'm on this. So she's on this, people. Don John, he's like, this is when he's like, I'm gonna stir the pot, I'm gonna make this messy. He has one of his men seduce Margaret. Not Margaret. No, it's the other one. Some other one. Yeah. Yeah, some other one. See, her name's not important, unfortunately, in this <laughs> story. And uh. Leonardo, wasn't that the one who? No, that's what? the uncle. Oh, that's really me. Leonardo My is uh, <laughs> is Hero's father, and it's it's, it's, it's a Monday. Uncle. We're recording this on a Monday, okay? Yeah. But yeah, I can't remember her name. But basically, she, this this uh, handmaiden um, to Hero was like flirting a lot with the manservant of Don John and Don John was like yo I see that you're all about this this handmaiden why don't you and she has the same color hair as Hero why don't you like go touch each other up somewhere in a corner basically (laughs) and make sure that Claudio sees but doesn't see that it's like Hero but so he thinks it's Hero and just make sure to say Hero's name over and over again so he really gets it and because Claudio is a dumb fucking idiot he he sees this and then he throws a tantrum because he is a toddler and he doesn't know how to communicate because he's a dumb human I hate him because instead of being normal, I know this is they're fictional characters. I know this. I shouldn't be mad, but I'm going to be mad. He, instead of talking, I I could write, I need to probably rein this in a bit. I know (laughs) this is real. I'm realizing I'm like ranting about how mad. Remember how I was venting about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Yeah. This is your moment to vent. My moment to shine. Well, so... Yeah, so he could have been like, yo, Hero, what were you doing? And she'd be like, I was asleep. Beatrice was sleeping next to me because in those days they all slept in the same bed. Um, 
So the next day is the wedding. Horatio. Bur- yeah, that dude. That's the guy. Fuck that guy. That's that's, that's the manservant. That, yeah, that's the manservant. Boratio. Um, basically, so yeah. So what this, what this sleazy dinkus does is he's like, I'm gonna bottle this shit up and do it in the most dramatic, like tantrum drama king way, and he just like waits till the wedding, and then super dramatic and emo. He's like. I can't remember what his speech is because it's annoying and stupid and I couldn't even watch it. I remember when we were watching this together, every time he was on screen, I just kind of make exasperated noises. I just couldn't even handle his presence. Also, the actor who plays him is just obnoxious looking. Like, I want to punch him in his face. I can't remember his name because I don't like just... Claudio? Well, the guy who played Claudio. Robert Sean Leonard. That dude. I wanted to punch him in his face. What else has he been in? Hold on. Wasn't he in White Collar? He was in House. Oh, House. That's what it was. And, oh, he was in Dead Poets Society. That's where I've seen him. Yeah, but I okay. was just like, he he even looks obnoxious like Claudio. Yeah. And so in front of her family and friends, he's like, she's a slut. Basically, is his whole speech is like, she's been sleeping around and basically tries to kill her, kind of. Yeah. And then he gets... Like the prince on his side, and then they're like storming around, being obnoxious, and then Hero faints because that's what her character's supposed to do. Anyways, yes, <sighs> I need a drink do, of water. Do, do you after feel that. better? Do you feel better? A bit, honestly. That was good to get out of my system, but you know, I'll get this. I'll get wound up about it again. I'm not gonna at lie. Some that was point. that was enter- <laughs> that was so entertaining. I wish I had popcorn. That was that was glorious. Don't get me started about being mad about fictional characters. That's literally all I did in high school. Wow. And continue to do. I haven't really grown from that. (laughs) So, Kenneth Branagh's version is not the only well-known version of Much Ado About Nothing. We love it. It's very delightful. It is a good adaptation. If you want a nice, delightful version of it, it's very fun. And the other one that we're going to be talking about is the one directed by Joss Whedon. He, even though he's problematic, problematic, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, like, contemporary take on the story, like, visually contemporary, but the language is very much Shakespearean, so. Yes. And as a matter of fact, this is the one that has the most of the original language in the, in the original play in it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of fascinating. So, Whedon was... Um, on contractual vacation to, from post-production of the Avengers at the time. And he decided, you know what? I have this really nice house that my wife built. You know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to shoot Shakespeare. I'm going to shoot it black and white. And I'm going to have all my friends over for 12 days. So if you like Firefly and we're a fan of like Buffy. Dollhouse and like his early shit before, you know, before, uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Like, all of them are in it. It's fantastic. Like, yes. oh, Nathan Fillion is a uh, Dogberry. Dogberry, and it's, and he's great. He's delightful. Fran Cran- Fran Kranz is in it, and he's one of my favorites. And oh yeah, I I fucking loved him in um, Dollhouse. Oh yeah. So he to create the film, Whedon established his own pr- production studio, Bellwether Pictures, and the film premiered at the 2012 Toronto International Film Festival. 
um, and it has North American theatrical release June 21st, 2013. They shot the film in mid-October 2011 and took place at, as I said before, Whedon's residence in Santa Monica, California. On the choice of location, he he told, he said, first of all, my wife built that house, and I knew from the moment I set foot in that in it that I would want to film something there because it's all in one place. That place informs the mood and the feeling and the look of the picture so much and I was really already comfortable with that. So his wife, Kay Cole, produced the film through Bellwether Pictures. Which, yeah, which we said before, well, Max said before, they created for this. Um, It was shot entirely in black and white palette and it was over a period of 12 days, so it was an intense shooting schedule, obviously. Definitely, yeah. And I, I love how... I, I love hearing about that, that sort of camaraderie among directors and, and actors and their friends when they're like, hey, you want to come over come <laughs> over to my house for 12 days and shoot a movie nonstop, that shoot Shakespeare nonstop, and they're like, let's do it! I, I, need, I need those friends. Dude. I do have those friends. What am I saying? Fight me in the Seven Eleven at noon. Like <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I. By the way, I totally beat you. Yeah, you probably would. Anyone could probably beat me. I would just like sit there and just like come sweet death. Don't hurt me. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Savage. I love you, I love you Mac. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm done being mean to Mac. <laughs> we didn't shot it. Uh, yeah, so you already said that. Anyways, the cat. Yeah, so the cast and crew were informed to keep the project a secret until production was finished. Um, so yeah, they la- they wrapped their last day of filming on October 23rd, 2011. He explained that his in- initial interest of the project was that he fixated on this notion that our ideas of romantic love are created for us by the society around us. And then escape from that is grown-up love, is marriage, is mature love, to escape the ideals of love that we're supposed to follow. Which really makes sense when it comes to this play. Yeah, it's very... I don't know, like, how they... We see, like, two different forms of love. We see, obviously, very toxic and just, like, not very healthy on, like, Claudio... And hero's part, poor hero. Like, she deserves so much better. Um, And then Benedict and Beatrice, what you find out throughout the play is that they've already, they've known each other. um, And they've had this relationship for a while. And it is, it's a weird kind of friendship, even though they pretend to hate each other. They are, like, actually, like kind of friends in a way so yeah. they, they kind of like they kind of grow out of this weird stage of just banter flirting i guess yeah so that's, yeah it's definitely uh it's it's not like a version that i would like be up that i'd like go out of my way to go find oh yeah it's just okay it's Basically, this ver- this adaptation of Much Ado, I would say it's fun if you're a fan of basically the cast and the actors that Joss Whedon like pulled together from his early projects. Like, if you love like the cast from Firefly and Dollhouse and like 
Buffy and, you know, so on and so forth. Like, and it's fun to see those actors play in a Shakespeare film, if that's like your thing. Um, so that's kind of like the only reason to watch it. <laughs> I will <laughs> say this. It is, it is, it is a good adaptation. It's just like not, I don't know. There is one thing that I, I really know. like about it. And that's that um, after Claudia, in in this one, there's a sequence where I I think it's Don Pedro um, talks down to Claudio about how he reacted to the at the wedding and how. Yeah. And like just calling him off like, what the fuck, dude, you a little bitch. Definitely. How dare you? Which we're going to talk about in the next adaptation, because that one is even more... We kind of are starting with the most, like, Renaissance-esque ones and kind of working up to contemporary. Yes. With this one, um, the whole film is set around a party, like, modern-day party mm-hmm. at somebody's house, which is uh, Leon- um, yeah, Leonardo's house. Mm-hmm. Leonardo. Uh, Le- I'm messing up. Because his he's really not important. He's just another dude. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I I do love this play. And the thing is, like... Leonardo. Leonardo. I'm, like, kind of bad with names to begin with. And What's if they're not, like, major characters, I apologize to people. I, I do like this stuff. It may not sound like it when it comes to me remembering names, but I do. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's it's him throwing a party at his house and so that's an interesting setting to have all these characters because it is basically just one location and you're seeing different rooms but um and they don't really stray outside of this house setting which is interesting and so they're all in contemporary clothes and um it's just a little fun definitely yeah definitely and it's it's um it's pretty much i like how one of the um lines that was put on the posters for all for this one was like Shakespeare knew how to throw a party. <laughs> and there's this one cool scene, doesn't make any sense, but it's kind of cool where um Claudio's character is in the pool and he's got the snorkel one and the mask. He's got a martini in his hand. Nobody looks cool where <laughs> nobody nobody looks badass holding a martini, but <laughs> he it, he makes it look he <laughs> makes it look okay. So and now we're going to get into one of the things that you're more familiar with, Shakespeare, Shakespeare Retold. This was like when I did my hardcore like Shakespeare like adaptation binge, I discovered Shakespeare Retold. It is um it is basically a mini series of four television adaptations of Shakespeare's plays that the BBC One broadcast um during November of 2005. Um, it's kind of done in a similar manner as the 2003 production of the Canterbury Tales. Um, I haven't seen that one yet, but I'm super psyched because I love the Canterbury Tales. They're like, I had to read them for, um, one of my history classes and they are fun. Like, I'm I'm like, I'm a little bit like out of the loop when it comes to Canterbury, but I do know of Chaucer. Oh, you should definitely. The Trudger. Yeah. I'm trudging. But so, yeah, so what uh, the BBC did was each play is adapted by a different writer and it's set in present day. Um, So they kind of took that model from Canterbury Tales and they 
put Shakespeare in that kind of setting. So, um, yeah, so the plays were produced in in collaboration with BBC Northern Ireland and the Central BBC Drama Department. So they have four Shakespeare retold. They did Midsummer. They did Macbeth. They did um, uh, Much Ado About Nothing. And then, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember. They do Hamlet? No, they didn't do the something. They did Macbeth, they, right? Something of the Shrew, what was it? Taming of the Shrew? Taming of the Shrew. That's an interesting one. It is. And it's a really interesting cast. It's the the woman that plays Moaning Myrtle. Can't remember her name. Shirley Henderson. And it's, oh my gosh. I can't remember his name right now and it's bugging me, but that's okay. We're going to just move on. Um, so much ado about nothing. It was adapted by David Nicholas, uh, directed by Brian Percival broadcast the 7th of November. Um, and what's interesting about this adaptation is it's set in a local news studio. So Sarah Parrish plays Beatrice and Damian Lewis plays Benedict. And they play feuding um, anchors at this uh, news studio. Billy Piper plays Hero, who's the weather, who's the weather woman, girl, weather girl, what does it call? And the daughter of the station man- manager, Leonard uh, Martin Jarvis. Um, and she becomes engaged to Claude, who's Tom Ellis, the sports presenter. So it's like work relationship setting um uh don john is or don in the in this adaptation is the jealous visual effects manager um and he plots to break up hero and claude whilst the others attempt to get beatrice and benedict together so it's the same kind of dynamics where the other people in the studio are like and hero and leonard are like Oh, let's have fun with them because, like, the th- the thing in this adaptation is that they hint to um, that Beatrice and Benedict were in a relationship before they had a misunderstanding slash falling out, and that's why they hate each other and they're feuding. Um, also, it's not necessarily in this version; it isn't sh- in Shakespearean English. Um, but it's pretty it's pretty awesome. Um so yeah, so Hero and Claude eventually Oh. I can't it's been a while since I watched this particular episode. Um but they're everything like the climax of them breaking um Dawn breaking up Hero and Claude is at this party and obviously the thing from the play was that Claude thought she was cheating on him. That's what they play in the in this adaptation. Um, one thing that I love about this adaptation is that she doesn't take his shit. That's true, yeah. She is the... You kind of see at the end that she's like, dude, you hurt me by being a total dick and not even you know, trusting me or even listening to what I have to say. So she's like, no, we're not going to, we're not going to get married, but like, we just need some space kind of stuff. And I'm like, yes, fucking 
fucking hate Claudio. Um, so yeah, so she's like, she refuses to consider marriage again. And the ending is left ambiguous about their future. Um, but they are the best man and maid of honor for the be- the wedding of Beatrice and Benedict. Because throughout all this, and from the core of like the play, Benedict and Beatrice get together. So, yeah, the thing that I really love about this adaptation is that Hero is more of a fleshed out character. That's true, yeah. And, and it definitely, I mean, I've seen like segments of this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely like the like how um what's her name oh, yeah uh, Billy Piper is hero that's that's some really good act that's a really good uh, I can't words today it's a Monday it's a Monday um Damian Lewis is Benedict and that's he's fantastic as Benedict he's hilarious and Martin Jarvis who is one of my favorite like car- uh, voice actors mm-hmm. out there um he plays Leonard and that's really one of my favorites out there so i'm it's i haven't i, I can't really speak very much about it because i haven't seen all of it so obviously but you've spent yeah i've spent a lot of time with the yeah. shakespeare retold because i'm i'm a huge fan of it because it is very contemporary it's takes the stories but really places them in a modern setting it doesn't it's not in a modern setting with the shakespearean language it is very easy to receive it for a wider audience um for those who aren't comfortable or don't even like like having to try and i guess translate shakespearean uh english because it's just just how he talks is i mean just how it's a lot of the plays are written sometimes you're like dude you're talking forever just to say like one short thing um but it's but the thing that i like about it is that it just sounds very beautiful yeah um but so would you consider this your favorite adaptation? Mm, I wouldn't consider it my favorite because they're this one and the 1993 version. I like them I feel like I like them both the same. It's just I like them for different reasons. Yeah. Uh Kenneth uh Brana's version is very much at the core the kind of whimsical Shakespeare, like, core... Uh, I, at the core of it, it's the whimsical Shakespeare, like, experience, I guess. Um, it looks pretty. Everyone's talking very, like, old-timey. <laughs> <laughs> to say it, like, bluntly. <laughs> yeah. um, whereas, it's really interesting to see how they adapted this to for the Shakespeare retold version um to a very contemporary modern day setting um yeah i so, would say that um my favorite adaptation is yeah, I, I can't go wrong with Rana. Yeah, i love like, it so much i think there's one thing we haven't bad, talked about he's like even when he's bad it's like still kind of enjoyable like yeah, you can i was tell able he loves it you can tell yes. he loves what he's doing yeah and in that way, I can't really hate anything he does. Even Love's way. Labor's Lost. Like, you knew he was having a great time, but it was so fucking bad. It was so bad. Basically, for those who don't know, Kenneth Branagh thought he could make 
Love Slavers Lost into a musical set in the what? The 40s, 50s? Late 30s. Late and 30s? He used, oh, yeah. And he used, like, music from, like, Fred Astaire and... It was so... What? It, it, Tone, it totally felt it was so all wrong. over the place. It was so wrong. And... Oh, the dude who plays Shaggy from Scooby Doo is Matthew in it. Lillard. Yep, and that was like for half of the movie. I don't know. I was watching it sober, and I got like <laughs> fifteen minutes in, and I'm like, "Why am I'm I still watching this?" And then I was like, "Shaggy is in this. I gotta kind of, I gotta see how this ends." Yeah, and then it just got worse. But worse. he's having so much fun that you're just. You kind of have to be like, oh, look at him. He's having fun. He's having fun. Definitely. <laughs> um, and you can tell him and Emma Thompson and uh, Much Ado About Nothing are having a blast. Every oh, time yeah. their characters are going back and forth, you can just you can just tell that they're really like they really enjoyed it. You could give you can get the sense that the cast enjoyed being on set, yes. which is nice. Also, it looks pretty. It does look very pretty. The so, costumes are nice. <laughs> so I think we've we pretty well explained like why we like yeah. Much Ado a lot. And kind of, I, I ranted a bit. It was good. Yeah, old ranted time. a bit. Um, <laughs> I think the story it really stands the test of time in that it's a great comedy of errors. Oh, definitely. And just how one little, one little one troll one trolley boy, <laughs> one trolley boy, who would win. <laughs> A whole bunch of family and friends all at a villa, or one trolley boy. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh, oh god it it just works so well, and even though it it just kind of like the idea that people get arrested for for like saying something that wasn't true. Yeah. Well, that I love that. Just as whole. First off, they have made false report. And it's, it's just so funny. Oh, we for, yeah, Michael Keaton's delightful in that. I don't know if we really, like, talked about it, but just... If you, you wanna, sir, are an ass! If just, like, watching his scenes, he is he is having a blast, and he you looks know like, it. He, his character looks like it was, like, shot out of the Monty Python universe and dropped into the Shakespeare universe. And he's just, like, rolling around, and he's, like, pretending to ride a horse. And yeah. He's got this, like, weird, like, his hair is slicked weirdly. And, and he, then he, like, he licks his hand to slick it some more. It's, like, it's he's just, like, one, a little uncomfortable to look at, just how they styled him. But it's just, he's so delightful. And he commands the screen when he's, on, like, when yes. his character is speaking. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Michael Keaton, you're wonderful. Yeah, but it's the thing with Shakespeare is that it's just a pure like with his comedies, it's pure escapism. Yeah, and you get lost in how ridiculous the stories become and just how convoluted situations are that you just get lost in how fun and silly it is. Yes, um, definitely. But yeah, it's good, good stuff. Good stuff, good stuff. So. Because it's our Shakespeare month, we've talked about a comedy, and next week, or next week, our next episode, we're going to do a tragedy, and we're going to do a big one. I'm doing a drum roll, if you can't You're do doing it. a drum Yeah, she's, she's drum rolling, everybody. We're doing Macbeth. Macbeth. Hail Macbeth. 
because one, I'm a huge fan of like it's so oh I love it. I just it's love so it. violent. I like I know I was gushing about Hamlet. I'm still a fan of that. Gonna say just shout out to David Tennant. Fucking loved his his uh his time as a Hamlet. He did a great job, but like Yes. I yeah. Anyways, I'll geek out some more about Macbeth because I just can't help myself. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that one with our very next episode. So but, yeah, this has been this has been a fun time. Oh but, yeah. Yeah. So thanks for listening and until nice next time, this has been Time to Adapt. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.